welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. With the serenity prayer, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Good morning. My name is Gabe, and I'm a sexaholic. Welcome to this meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. This is a closed meeting. Only conference attendees registered as sexaholics may attend this meeting. This is a topic meeting. I will introduce the topic, and and then there will be time allotted for sharing on the topic. SA is an anonymous program. Many of us carry cell phones and mobile computers capable of audio and visual recording. To maximize our commitment to anonymity, we cannot allow the use of these devices for recording of anything inside this conference. This is a recorded meeting, and the recorder cannot be turned off. If you choose to share, you must speak clearly and directly into the microphone. By choosing to speak, you give consent to All Star Media to record your share. You may choose to introduce yourself by another name if you if you desire. All Star Media is an outside vendor carefully selected by the Unity Conference Planning Committee. By the terms of our contract, All Star Media may sell and dist- distribute these audio recordings to registered conference attendees on site this weekend only. I have asked a volunteer to read. Uh, what is a sexaholic and what is sexual sobriety? Do you, do you have a book? You don't? Okay. Uh, there was supposed to be a green folder here. My name is Hugh. I'm a sexaholic. Um, what is a sexaholic and what is sexual sobriety? We can only speak for ourselves. The specialized nature of Sexaholics Anonymous can be best understood in terms of what we call the sexaholic. The sexaholic has taken himself or herself out of the whole context of what is right or wrong. He or she has lost control, no longer has the power of choice, and is not free to stop. Lust has become an addiction. Our situation is like that of the alcoholic who can no longer tolerate alcohol and must stop drinking altogether, but is hooked and cannot stop. So it is with the sexaholic or sex drunk who can no longer tolerate lust, but cannot stop. Thus, for the sexaholic, any form of sex with oneself or with partners other than the spouse is progressively addictive and destructive. We also see that lust is the driving force behind her sexual acting out, and true sobriety includes progressive victory over lust. These conclusions were forced upon us in the crucible of our experiences and recovery. We have no other options. But we have found that acceptance of these facts is the key to a happy and joyous freedom we could otherwise never know. 
This will and should discourage many inquirers who who admit to sexual obsession or compulsion, but who simply want to control and enjoy it, much as the alcoholic would like to control and enjoy, enjoy drinking. Unless we had been driven to the point of despair, unless we really wanted to stop but could not, did we not give ourselves to this program of recovery? Sexholics Anonymous is for those who know they have no other option but to stop, and their own enlightened self-interest must tell them this. All right. Thank you. Um, let's see here. Yeah. Welcome. There's only three of us. Okay. So for the next five minutes, um, I will share my experience, strength and hope as it relates to the topic. And, uh, we don't have the SNN co-leader here. So it's just going to be, um, us. So, um, Gabe Sexaholic. Um, hey guys, what's your name? Oh, you know, I did that last time. Do you, are you okay with Because this is recorded. You're okay with giving your name? Okay. What was your name? Joshua. Josh, nice to meet you. All right. Um, I've seen you before somewhere. You've been around a while, huh? Anaheim yeah. Hills. Yeah. Where? Anaheim Hills. Anaheim. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Gabe Sexaholic. Um, yeah, dating is uh, is something that, um, I mean, doing it the SA way, um, or should I say, you know, doing it... Uh, while I'm in the SA program, um, has you know been far better, and uh, what I mean by that, <clears throat> um, I came into SA. Um, I knew at a young age I had a problem with porn. Uh, you know, I just was obsessed with it, and so you know I had severe depression and all these things that landed me in a therapist's office. And anyway, started telling her my story. She told me about. Um, essay and uh and i went to a meeting but i only went to like two meetings and then i left hey john yeah we're actually recording it okay so it's just us what's that meeting guide you do yeah isn't this what we're using i didn't get the green thing but Joint dating recovery? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was just expecting more couples. Yeah. yeah. Pull, pull some chairs over. Yeah, here. Just, we, uh, it was just me and Gabe, so it was sort yeah. of like, uh, okay, I guess it's just yeah. the two of us. Okay. We don't need the whole panel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. No worries. Right. This is more fun. Okay. Yeah. All right, John. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome. Thanks. My name's Gabe, and I'm a sexaholic, and uh, I'm from SA. Or, uh, I'm a sexaholic. <laughs> um, and so, uh, this, this topic is about dating. And, um, so I'll just share my experience, you know, both before and then, you know, now. So, um, I was telling these guys, so I'm 47 now and I came into SA when I was 24. And, um, I came in because I had, you know, I, I knew at a young age already I felt like I just was completely obsessed with porn and, you know, I just, you know, was, just had a lot of shame and guilt. So I had severe depression. I wound up in a therapist's office and they directed me to SA. I went to a couple meetings and then I left a couple of years. I never really had a girlfriend up until I was about 27. And, um, 
so this girl showed a lot of interest in me and um and i i you know i i just i like that and so i i uh i was drinking i was doing drugs i was like just crazy at the time and um and so one night she just says to me, look, if you're going to be doing that, this is over. This is not going to work. And so um, I was like, hmm, maybe I want something different. So, I mean, I just, you know, tried to quit all that stuff, you know. And uh, anyway, so wound up in like therapy programs and all this stuff. And so all the while we're having this relationship and I'm just an emotional wreck. It lasted about, I'd say, six, seven months. And, um, uh, she lived kind of far away, maybe about an hour and I would drive out to see her and I was always really excited to get to see her. And then, you know, I'd see her and we'd be together for a little while. And then, then I just couldn't wait to get away from her. You know, I was like, what is this all about? I'm supposed to, you know, this is, this is what I've been waiting for, you know? And, um, I remember one night we were physical and, and I was just in my head, just cursing her, like, you know, get off. You know, I just, like, one part of me really just absolutely needed her. I mean, you know, and uh, wanted her. And the other part of me was, so I was really split. And it was torture. <laughs> it was torture. Because, <laughs> uh, so anyway, after seven months, she broke it off. And I was devastated because, you know, at one point she was saying, I adored you and telling me all these things I wanted to hear. I mean, it just puffed me up. At least that's the way I see it now. Back then, I was, you know, that was love. I was in love. And uh, so anyway, um, and the whole time that we were together, I quit the porn. I didn't do any porn for that whole, like, nine months. And um, and I thought that was my problem. I didn't have a girlfriend, so I was doing all this porn. And so... Um, I still had hope. She broke it off. I still had hope. I thought she was going to come back to me. So I was, I was still white knuckling in like a couple more months. And then one night I was just, you know, and I become a loner because I didn't have my drinking friends. And, you know, I just, you know, I just like, this kind of like guy would walk around late at night <laughs> thinking of romantic poems in his head and things just, and, uh, one, you know, I remember walking around in this, thought of this porn movie came in my head and it was like the big book said the thoughts suddenly came to mind and i just you know i just it just hit me overwhelmed me with that obsession came back and i went and i acted out and i remember within the next maybe the next morning i think i just was so depressed and i went back to sa so i was 27 at this time but i went back to sa with the thought in mind I'm going to go. I'm going to get fixed. I'm finally going to be done with this porn stuff. I'll, she's going to come back. I was still thinking she's going to come back now. And um, so I get an essay, <clears throat> and uh, six months goes by, and I'm feeling like I'm learning all this stuff, meeting, like, real interesting people. And uh, I'm thinking, wow, you know, I'm, you know, it was still all about me, you know. And uh, so, um, you know, I remember seeing her, like, Several months later, um, I didn't know that she was going to show up at the same event I was going to because we have mutual friends. And I saw her car, and I'm walking to it. was like a baptism in a church. I saw her car. I swear, my knees, like, felt like they were going to give out. It was so intense. It was just insane. And uh, I remember I'd seen her, and I was just, like, scared to death. And um, anyway, that was just the the... The amount of, I don't know, the, the, the allergy, I guess, you know, the lust. It was so intense. And, uh, 
So anyway, um, I stayed in SA about five years and um, had some sobriety. And uh, I st- it was always in the back of my mind that, you know, I want to get out there. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here to get fixed. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to find a girl and, and, and I'll be, you know, good. I'll be good. And um, so, but I learned a lot in SA and I, um, uh, I slipped after that 16 months. I don't want to get into all that. I stuck around for about another two years. And, um, and I was slowly, slowly, very gradually just slipping out of the program. And I was very involved. I went to unity conferences, international meetings almost every day. I'd worked through the steps. I'd made amends. I, you know, was now sober from alcohol, all these things. And, uh, but, you know, I still, you know, and I remember talking to uh, an old timer and I was telling him, yeah, I, something to the effect that I just, you know, wanted to, I don't know what I said, though, but it was, he could see what was going on with me. I still had some, my own ideas about this, and he says, well, then what are you doing here, you know? Like, basically telling me, like, if that's what you're thinking, why don't you just go out and do it? And so it was only, yeah, I mean, it was, he was just being very straightforward with me. And so, um, anyway, I, uh, it was at work, it was at work that I met this lady, and, um, <clears throat> Again, it was kind of the same pattern. I see the patterns now, which I didn't see then, you know. Um, so uh, this this lady showed interest in me, and, you know, I was physically attracted to her. And um, so we met up a couple of times. I got to know her. I got to know her story, and, you know, she had an ex, and, you know, she was still living with the ex, and uh, she, you know, he was an alcoholic, all these things, you know. So she was trying to find somebody to, you know, save her. And, you know, me, oh, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> that's, I don't want to get into all that about uh, that's kind of psychoanalysis, but um, that's the pattern of the relationships I was getting into. And um, uh, so I... Um, I knew in I knew in my heart I you know I I wasn't going to marry this girl you know I I I knew that pretty early on but um, I kept meeting up with her and um, and then you know once the physical happened it, it's pretty much game over for me I'm locked in because I'm a good guy I you know I don't break women's hearts you know and in this situation she was the one that made the first move so really if she wants to say anything like that she can't because it's all her fault you know she's the one who made the first move anyway this is my scheme and um <laughs> so so uh but that's not how it works out in the end I, I i wound up being the bad guy anyway but i was trying so hard to avoid being called a jerk you're using me all these things right um but you know so, like I said, once the physical happened, and her, and, you know, I was really trying to hold off from that. And, um, and, but then it also played into the whole lust thing, you know, because I want to be overwhelmed, you know, that, you know, I just give in. And Roy talks about that and the recovery continues. So anyway, this relationship lasted nine years, nine years. And I knew from the second, third month, You know, we're just not, you know, we're not, you know, for each other. But 
I look back and I think, how could I stay there for nine years? And uh, but I did, and um, so you know, it was just a slow train wreck that basically we became roommates. She was living in my house for the last year, and because um, I felt so much guilt of like lying to her all these years. And, you know, telling her, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get married, yeah. But in my heart, I knew I wasn't going to marry this girl. You know, she was just sick enough to believe me all those years. So anyway, um, so what happened, she wound up um, hooking up with one of her high school old boyfriends, I guess. She moved out of my house, moved over, got married. And now, so so I'm out of SA. I left SA. Pretty much right after we met. So this is 2003. I left SA completely, just cut off all ties. Because I thought, this doesn't make any sense anymore. You know, I'm having sex with this lady. It's not, you know. And um, so nine years, I'm out on my own with this lady. Then we break up. Now I'm on my own. I felt some freedom. You know, I was like, okay, thank God. And uh, But, you know, the porn master... That was always going on throughout the relationship with this lady, you know. So I was kind of had this double life I was trying to juggle. It was just very complicated. So now I'm free. And this other lady comes in the picture. Same kind of, you know, um, uh, uh, situation. Um, she had an ex. And, um, you know, and... Uh, I can see she showed a lot of interest in me. She invited me over her house, said she was going to cook dinner for me. Actually, she wanted me to hang some currents. Yeah, I can do that for you. I'm pretty good at that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, she's drinking a little bit, and I'm just kind of sitting there. And, I, you know, the same thing. So I'm split again. I'm tortured. Oh, I really want this. If you do this, Gabe, will this be another nine years of lying and deceit? And um, so... It wound up being only three years. (laughs) But three years of the exact same thing, just lying, knowing in my heart, I'm not going to marry this woman. And um, then a girl came back into my life. This is the only girl I felt I could marry this girl. I've known her since I was maybe 23. We worked at the same place together where I met that first girl, the nine-year girl. And um, we were casually dating, and uh, then this other, the nine-year girl came in the picture, and I told her, I just wanted to be friends because I wanted to go out with the other one. I was chasing her. So that's where I screwed up the first time. People told me, oh, yeah, you broke her heart. But then, so I work in a hospital. Her dad, actually, I went, she works at the DMV, so I went in there to do something, and then we reconnect. I was really excited to see her. I saw her, and I was like, and I thought about her all those years. So I'm with this one girl, and I'm thinking about her all the, those years, right? So I saw her. Anyway, so we reconnected, and then her dad winds up in the hospital I'm at. So we're just reconnecting. I'm like, this is my second chance. And uh, so um, I finally had the guts to tell the three-year-old girl, you know, it's not working. It's, it's, it's done. We're over. And, um, so now I'm like, okay, this is it. You know, I'm 44. No more goofing around. I'm going to marry this girl. And I was just like white knuckling full force into just, you know, this is, this is going to happen. I'm going to tell her I want to marry her. I'm going to tell her I've been thinking about her all these years. However, there was a problem, you know, and, uh, you know, if if I tell her all that, but I don't tell her I'm a sexaholic, 
then she's going to be like, well, if you felt like that all those years, what were you doing with these other women? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, man. So I got myself in a real bind with all that. Anyway, to make it short, um, three months, that relationship lasted three months. And at the end of it, and I, I told her, you know, I want to get married. I took her to the store. I never did this for any other girl. They usually dragged me to the ring store and, and were like, you know, this time I was taking her there. And, you know, this, so it was different, different. And so, however, being a sexaholic and a love cripple, you know, I, there was a lot of, I wasn't treating her very well, even though I wanted to marry her. I didn't know how to really like, you know, love her truly. And, uh, so after three months, she just told me she didn't feel close to me. <clears throat> so, you know, I hadn't acted out on my own. And, you know, then, uh, I just started acting out again with the porn. And then I was like, all right, it's time to go back to SA. So I went back to SA. And, uh, so, now I've been in SA about two and a half years. Uh, I got my sponsor back, been sober. And his rule for dating was, well, get a year, at least a sobriety, work through the steps, sponsor guys. I was like, okay. Um, so I did that. And, uh, and it wasn't about till two years that, um, and so this, the lady that I wanted to marry, um, I suspect she was maybe going out with somebody else. That's what I suspected. I don't know. I, you know, I talked, I still never told her I was in SA. Never, you know, told her that. And, um, but she, um, so anyway, the reason I think that she was going out with somebody else, cause on Facebook, she blocked me from seeing anything from a certain date on forward. So I thought, okay, maybe she, I don't know. I'm, this is going on in my head that, you know, so anyway, I was like, cool with that. Okay. You know, I mean, I'm, and so, um, at two years, um, uh, this lady, and I was kind of putting off the whole dating thing. I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of afraid of it. So, but my aunt has a get together on New Year's and I met this other lady who she's known since she was a kid and we had some mutual thing going on. And, and in the course of that, I thought, hmm, maybe I'll just hang out with her and get to know her, right? And um, so I was getting to know her, and I could see, you know, that like the, my old patterns, that something was there, right? But, you know, I was able to, um, you know, express my, my, you know, desire to keep some boundaries, and I didn't get the physical thing. You know, the only thing I did was give a hello hug and a goodbye hug. I didn't hold hands. I didn't do any of that stuff, Right. And, um, and that's real important what I realized for me. And, uh, so, but I wanted to get to know her and I know she, I knew she liked me. And, um, so we'd meet up once a week, maybe go out for a walk, have coffee more. We had some mutual thing in common. We would do that. And, um, and her, our mutual friend, she was telling me on the side, she really likes you, you know, she, you know, she's waiting for you to kiss her and all this stuff, right? And I'm like, oh God. And, um, so, uh, you know, um, I was thinking, okay, something's going on with her. So now, you know, having, so being 
grounded in an essay gave me the ability to see that we were two separate people. She has her own things going on. And um, so I was able to, you know, see, you know, so slowly I was saying, no, I don't think. At one point, I, you know, within that three months, I, I felt like, you know, I'm, I'm not seeing us as a married couple. I can, you know. And, um, however, I was enjoying the fact that she liked me a lot. I was enjoying that fact. And I like, and I wanted to just hang out with her. And guys in the program, cause I was telling them this at meetings, they were telling me, Hey, how's it going with it? And I'd be like, Yeah, it's, it's all right. You know, I was kind of like avoiding telling the truth because then I'd be accountable to, you know, not letting this go on. And, um, so I kept, eating away at me and I started like getting resentful when guys were asking me, Hey, how's it going? You know? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's none of your business, man. <laughs> um, however, the, the day came when uh, we met up for lunch and, and I finally told her and I said, yeah, I just, you know, I, I want to let you know, I don't feel this is going towards marriage. And I feel I have to do that because I don't lead you on because I've led so many other women on and I just can't do that again. And, um, and then it was okay. After that, uh, you know, I've talked to her maybe once or twice or a couple of times when we had some mutual thing, but I didn't feel any guilt or shame, you know, because I had used them and, you know, had sex with them and all that. And, um, and I had to surrender my desire to be, I mean, lusted after, basically. I mean, that's how, uh, yeah, that's what it was. I mean, cause she liked me and I liked that, that she liked me, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, but what's, you know, I'd sit on that, but, you know, that's not the ideal that I'm, you know, uh, striving for in SA, you know, and, uh, you know, we have to come up with our sexual ideal. And, you know, what are the qualities I'm looking for in a woman? And um, <clears throat> so that was uh, one thing. And then the others, uh, my, um, um, with dating were um, online. So my friends would tell me, yeah, try online dating. I'm like, oh, I'm just not into that kind of stuff. And so... Um, that one's been tricky though, because you start with picture and as a sexaholic, I get caught up in like, okay, you know, I'm, I, I find myself looking at the pictures too much than reading bios. However, I did find one or two that I thought, okay, from the bio, I think I'd like to get to know them. And, um, so I, one of them I told, Hey, you know, you want to meet up? I'm talking for way too long, aren't I? A14. Okay. Anyway, so she didn't want to meet up. And, um, I was like, okay, cool. She wanted to talk on the phone. We talked on the phone. I already kind of got the feeling, no, I'm not really feeling it. But I, you know, I, I also thought, well, I should just, uh, give it more time. But, you know, she just didn't call back. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And another one, same thing, you know, she was, we were communicating by text and she just, I don't know, something was, she didn't want to meet up. I was like, okay, fine, you know. Um, but I guess the only thing I can really say that, uh, is the accountability is being grounded first in the program. Like my sponsor said, do these things and I feel more solid, but then also having the accountability when I am dating, you know, and uh, having those ideals, you know, um, and you know, I, I, by far I'm not doing it perfectly, but it's saving me from 
you know, just hooking up and not being able to, you know, and then living with the guilt and shame of just feeling like I'm using somebody. And uh, so it's an ongoing thing, and I'll leave it at that. So I'll let you guys share. Um, Thanks, Gabe. Where did I put that? I'm really organized here. Okay. That's not even that one. You know what? I'm just going to open it up. You know, you guys have been to SA meetings before, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know how to share. Okay. So I'm going to, anybody, free to share? Okay. Hi, uh, my name is Joshua Sexaholic. Um, so I just broke up with my girlfriend two days ago. Oh, thank God. <laughs> um, so just to give my experience, I really, I dated a little bit prior to SA, but I could never really get past first base, like the first or second date, because I would just try to control her, form her to be what I want her to be. Really couldn't connect to any women because I was too obsessive. For me, it's pornography and compulsive masturbation and just could not connect at all. So um had one of my friends, her and I were like pretty much falling in love. She lived about 60 miles from where I was. And I said, okay, so we've been, you know, we've been really good friends for nine months. How about, you know, I'll take you out for dinner and we'll, you know, have a really nice evening. And she didn't respond for like a couple of days. And I thought, man, this is like really weird. And finally she just said, I'm sorry, Josh, I barely know you. And I told my, um, my godfather, who's four years older than I am. And he knows her very well and said like, what the heck was that? And I'm like, I, I don't know. And it really devastated me like an ultimate rejection. And that was coupled with the fact that I couldn't stop acting out. Finally, um, the priest at my parish, kind of pulled me aside after the, the service and told me I needed a uh, 12-step program because I can't stop looking at porn. And I ended up in SA. So the direction I got was from my grand sponsor was, okay, Josh, no dating until you hit step six. Well, of course, my head's like, okay, I'm going to work the steps as fast as I can to get the girl because, you know, that's the reward. And so I did. And it, it took about a, about a good year and a half and I realized I still don't feel like I'm ready because my grand sponsor said, God will tell you when you're ready. And then, of course, my grand sponsor says, step nine. I was like, damn it. Okay, fine. So I make all my amends after my last amends. And I'm like, okay, see, I'm ready. He's like, no, you got to work all 12. And so I work all 12. And um, I came to a point where I started saying, thank you, God, that I'm single. Thank you, God, that I'm single because I'm realizing my life is like really nice. Um, and throughout this process, I've been in law school with a science background. It's been very traumatic going from, you know, blowing sh- stuff up in the lab to reading books all day and arguing. And I noticed, okay, that's getting, school's getting easier. You know, I have a job now, I work with a lawyer and I'm, I'm learning trial prep. It's getting easier. And then I started feeling like, okay, life's like really, kind of evening out. It's like really nice and manageable. And of course, I remember an essay speaker meeting saying that usually when you're ready to date, that's when God's going to be like, okay, it's time for you to start climbing up the mountain again because life, you're hitting a plateau. And my sponsor one day just sat me down and said, okay, it's time to date. And I was like, whoa, serious? I was just like, dude, um, 
life's great. <laughs> life's really great. School's great. Work is great. You know, I get a paycheck. It's kind of nice. And he said, no, I want you to get a date before Halloween. Gives you about two months. So go for it. And what I did is I just surrendered and okay, I said, okay, God, I don't know what girl to choose. I'm going to give up all my little filters because all I'm trying to do is just get a date. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really matter. My sponsor, t- he, he said no filters, just, you know, this certain, this type of girl. No, just, just get a date, a first date. And then if it doesn't work, then you guys could be friends and call it off. And one day I got, I met this one girl at school and I had to stay it was a Friday. I told my boss, Hey, um, I'm not able to come into work today. I know we got trial prep, but I really need to focus on school. I got a big midterm coming up for my evidence class. And that Friday I met my girlfriend and we talked and all that. And, uh, about six hours later, she emailed me and said, Hey Josh, do you mind if we study? You seem to know evidence very, very well. I said, okay, I think this girl kind of likes me. And that Monday, the minute we sat down, I, we did not stop talking for three hours. And I was like, Oh my God, this, she has my personality. Um, my personality, I tend to be much more extroverting, kind of like that little Latin drama kind of going on. And I was like, wow, like no other girl I've met, like really has my personality and really clicks. So to kind of just condense the story, um, we ended up, I asked her out. We, we had our first little date after our midterm. And then a couple of days later, I said, do you want to take this further and be boyfriend and girlfriend? And she said, yes. And immediately I've been talking to my sponsor. I've been praying about this, hitting the knees every morning, going like, okay, God, I don't know what to do, but just help me be a service. That's all I'm here to do. And I set boundaries. And my boundaries were no kissing, no sex before marriage, um, or any other, any other thing in the gray area. Between, you know, before leading up to sex, if you get my drift. And she agreed. And you know what? To this day, she really respected my boundaries, except for the fact that um, as we talked, there were some red flags. She's not connected to her higher power, which is a big thing for me. And I thought, okay, no, I can still. My sponsor said, no, continue. Continue the relationship. That's okay. Just learn to relate. You're not marrying this girl. And it was last week uh, she kept, we had a boundary. I won't, I owed her her first kiss, uh, actually last Thursday, this past Thursday, 30 days. And she kept asking me, can I start kissing you? Can I start kissing? <laughs> and, and it's by really the grace of God. I kept telling her like, no, no, I just, it, I said, honestly, let's just say her name's Sarah, Sarah, quote unquote. Uh, it just seems too early, like way too early. So let's just hold off. We have, I have a wonderful, uh, surprise for you on Saturday as a wonderful date. And she uh, kept asking me like every day. And I said, no, I'm, I'm sorry. And she was kind of touchy with me in an inappropriate way. And so we went on a date on Saturday and it was a disaster. Um, I was just out of character. I had a lot of fear. I'm like, this is, feels really uncomfortable. I talked to all the, all my brothers and like, I don't feel right about this. And, um, I took out for gelato and she just said, Josh, I know you told me you struggle with lust. That was my rationale for setting boundaries. However, um, what do you mean by that? Cause like, I really want to get physical and this and that. And I just said, well, Sarah, here we go. I'm in a 12 step program, recovering porn addict, been in the program for about three and a half years. 
I pretty much was crying the entire time. And this was amazing. She didn't judge me. She said, Josh, every guy struggles with porn. I said, no, Sarah, those guys you know can stop. I can't stop. I have 14 years where I couldn't stop. And it was really cool. We went to my car and we, she shared about her struggles that are, that only her dad know about. And it was a very intimate moment, but I just told her, I can't do this. Um, if you want to go in the gray area and then start having sex, I just can't do this because I value my connection with my higher power and I don't want to go back to the addiction. So it was an emotional just roller coaster the last, um, from Sunday to about Tuesday for me. And I can tell at school she didn't want to talk. She was just going through it. And, um, yeah, Thursday we, we broke it off. You know, I prayed about it. And I just, I felt my higher power telling me, Josh, what's more important? Is it recovery in me or is it this girl? Because I can't see a future with her. And we talked and I, I had to make amends. My sponsor recommended I made amends. So I made amends appropriately. And, um, I just said, okay, Sarah, you know, let's work through the differences because I was directed by my sponsor to work through the differences, get some experience. And she just said, you know, Josh, I I understand, you know, you're religious and I'm not. That's like, you know, that's not going to really work out. And I said, well, Sarah, you know, technically we still can get married. It's just when you have kids, that's going to be a problem. And the real issue at hand, why she broke it off and I literally had to break it off wasn't the religious issue. It was, she said, Josh, I have needs. She claimed to be a virgin and I'll, I'll presume that she's honest. And, um, I want to start doing these things. I won't state in the recording, but in the gray area prior to full blown sex. And she's like, I cannot with tears in her eyes. I cannot ask you to even do, I can't seduce you. I don't even want to even suggest this to you because I respect you. And I just said, yes, Sarah, I, I can't. I just can't because I'm, I'm sane. I'm sober. It feels so good to be connected to my higher power. And I don't want to do that. I don't want you to see the old Joshua prior to essay. And, um, yeah, we're still good friends. Um, but I think the cool things I'll share looking back at it is number one, I feel so much joy right now to be here and be single. And the reason is that I felt that my higher power in the program taught me how to treat her as a princess. I never took from her. I paid for her milk, for her dinner and everything, which shocked her because she's never had a guy actually do that. She's never had a guy set boundaries and respect her and not objectify her. And I was thinking like, like that's usually my MO with women. <laughs> not, not in this case. And, um, I remember on our formal date on Saturday where we dressed up and it just wasn't that all that great, but I wrote her a poem cause I'm a poet and, um, it described all the virtues I saw in her and I gave it to her and I just said, you know, Sarah, if you ever feel that someone's putting you down or you feel like a piece of crap or whatever, read this because these are the virtues I saw in you. And I did that because my sponsor, after the fifth step, did that to me. Not the poem. He wasn't a poet. But he encouraged me. And it was really cool looking back at it. I remember on Saturday night when I called the brothers. And, oh, my gosh, there's one guy from Alaska just spent 50 minutes with me kind of helping me to process this. I remember just going to sleep and being like, wow, I didn't take from, I didn't, did not take from her at all. I didn't sleep with her. I didn't do anything appropriate with her. I was merely being of service and I got to sleep well. Usually if I'm, if I have some guilt going on, I can't sleep. 
usually got somebody to go right and kind of kicking me. So today I feel great. Um, I feel like I've learned so much, uh, in this little experience of like three weeks, but what I've learned is simply this. It's better to be single, sober, connected with God and in recovery than it is with a girl. And my perception really changed because I came in the program trying to get that girl. Now that I had her, it's like, you know what? God has a better girl for me. I have more to learn. This is just a stepping stone. But yeah, nothing nothing beats a sane mind in my experience. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Josh. Name's Brian. I'm a sexaholic. Um, this is our first date. Just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is our first first conference, though. Um, we've been together for a few months. Um, I uh, I was hoping to come in here and hear like a lot of stories about like what's it like to be like dating someone in recovery and what does that all those boundaries and all that kind of stuff look like and. Um, I, uh, yeah, it's fine. Expectations, you know, where, where does that go? So, um, I also wasn't planning on sharing either. So, um, I'm going to share a little bit of what it was like before. Um, and, uh, yeah, and just kind of what the, the dating, the dating process has been like for me since I've been in recovery. Um, my, uh, I guess the, the important points to, to, uh, know about my past, um, before uh, I started the program six and a half years ago is, um, that I was, um, uh, not very successful in my pursuits with women. Um, I uh, heard the word no a lot and I asked a lot. Um, and that just, yeah, I was, the, the rejection was worth it to me because <laughs> I just was so desperate to have that emptiness filled up. So, um, I, uh, for various reasons, um, had this approach with women where, um, the way that I would pursue them was that I would try to befriend them first. And it was all under false pretenses where I had all of these, um, you know, secret motivations and, um, I wanted to get them to really trust me and, um, you know, really think of me as the best thing that ever happened to them. Uh, think of me as a best friend. And, uh, I thought that if I had won them over in that way, that, um, you know, someday when the moment was right, um, I would, uh, you know, confess my true feelings and then, you know, we'd fall in love and, and, you know, live a fairy tale. And, um, it just, um, yeah, that strategy, uh, did not work. Um, sometimes even when I, it would result in a relationship, it still didn't work because there was uh, a lot of deceit, a lot of fear, like, how am I going to keep this up? Um, and, uh, there was also a lot of uh, pain. Um, you know, there was just on both sides, um, things always just blew up in our faces. Um, that, um, that was also the story uh, behind my, uh, this woman that I married. Um, it was just the situation where, um, that was the kind of relationship she wanted with a person. She wanted to be taken care of and befriended and, um, she wanted to be rescued and I was more than willing to play the hero. Um, that also, uh, ended up being a, a really, uh, horrific experience, actually a really traumatic experience. There was a lot of abuse going on that I tolerated because I, um, I was desperate for, uh, what I was getting out of the relationship and, uh, and the other side too. Um, I was, um, 
just as powerless over my rage and my manipulative behavior and uh, all those, um, yeah, just things that I did uh, that messed her up too. And I didn't like doing them when I was doing them or I wasn't aware that I was doing them. And, um, yeah. And she tolerated it too. Cause there was a payoff for her. So, um, that was, um, beginning to, um, that, that relationship was coming to a close when I was coming into SA. The, the separation had been going on for a while. Um, she was just on the verge of filing for divorce. Um, came into SA, um, struggled for a few years with sobriety. I'm, I'm three years sober now. And, um, the, uh, experience for me as I was getting some sobriety, there was another period where I had about a year, almost, I think a year and a half and I threw it away, um, where I was, um, having this, uh, unhealthy relationship with a friend. Um, and because of the, the denial that was still persisting in my recovery, um, I, uh, I had convinced myself that, you know, well, this is what a healthy friendship looks like in recovery. You know, I can have this friendship with a woman and it's going to be safe and we're okay. And I wasn't honest with myself about my feelings. And, um, I, uh, yeah, I get, I, I, there's a way that I could look at that relationship now and say that it was, um, it was very similar to dating, even though I didn't call it that. And, uh, the reason I didn't call it that was because I was trying to, you know, have this kind of like squeaky clean recovery where I thought, oh yeah, we're just friends. And, um, but I was repeating a lot of the similar patterns from before with her. And, uh, one day I, I did my thing. I confessed my true feelings and I was thinking that, you know, maybe something was going to happen. Um, not that we were going to get together and I certainly wasn't looking for uh, marriage, but I was like thinking like, let's just, you know, be friends in love and see where that goes. And she didn't want to have anything to do with that. Cause it was, you know, she was, um, healthier than a lot of the women that I had pursued before. And she was at least able to, uh, recognize that she had a lot of stuff to work on. She wasn't ready. We would both be kind of using each other as some kind of a rebound. And, um, and I also think she was turned off by the fact that I had been deceitful. So, um, if you guys want to give me like heads up on how much time we have, like let, feel free. I can, um, okay. Okay, cool. So, um, anyway, after, yeah, I, I'm thinking nobody else. Okay. Um, thanks. Um, then, uh, so soon after that, um, I, uh, I decided, um, with the help of my spiritual director to, uh, to really take a break. Um, the, you know, recovery continues, uh, book especially talks about these, um, extended periods of abstinence in the context of a, of a marriage. And I was thinking like, I need an extended period of whatever the, whatever the F it is that I do, I need to take a break from that. So, um, so what I, so I, I came up with some boundaries for myself about relating to women. So, um, it basically looked like just politeness. I was going to be, you know, polite just enough to not be rude, but for the most part, I was going to not engage. I was going to, um, not be calling up my female friends. I wasn't going to be asking, you know, um, new people that I was meeting for their number. I wasn't going to be trying to befriend women during that time. Um, whenever, uh, I was in conversations with women, um, I, you know, um, would try to, you know, again, just kind of gently, um, remove myself from the situation without being rude. And I didn't want to pursue anything because I didn't trust myself to be able to be healthy in any kind of dynamic. Um, and, uh, it wasn't, you know, with the intention of like, well, this is going to how, this is how I'm going to live my life now. It was just something I knew I needed to do to dry out from all of that, 
um, that denial that I was in about, you know, the way I related to women. Um, there was all kinds of spiritual growth that happened during that year. Um, the, the one thing that came right away that I'll just mention to give you an idea of what it was like was that I never knew that I was categorizing women my whole life. I was always giving them some kind of a, not like a conscious rating, but I was always like looking at them as a potential relationship partner. And no matter how old or young they were, how they looked, like no matter what the relationship was, whether we worked together, it was always just like, yeah, we'd make a good fit. Oh, we'd make a kind of good fit. Oh no, we wouldn't make a good fit. I was always giving women that kind of appraisal. And, um, that's how I looked at them. Um, so, uh, that was something I was able to really work on and let go of during that year. And I don't think I ever could have done that if I had been interacting with women and trying to be friends and that kind of stuff. So that was really helpful for me. Um, when I was uh, ready and I kind of did it in incremental steps, I was like, I'll do three months and see how that goes. I'll do six months and see how that goes. And so after a while, um, it got to the point where I, I felt like I had, I was waiting for like the growth to kind of just like plateau and it did. So, um, I thought, okay, I'm, I think I'm past this part. I think I'm ready for something else that's going to help me grow. And with the help of my spiritual director and my sponsor, um, I started dating again. Um, I had a lot of stuff going on with work, so I, I didn't go crazy. It was just like, you know, once every few months. And, um, I had a lot of expectations about what this was all going to look like when I started, you know, uh, having feelings for someone. And, uh, I had heard a story of a sponsee in, um, in my, uh, subregion who had gone on, um, 15 first dates at the uh, direction of his sponsor. And the sponsor said, you can't go on a second date until you go on those first 15. Cause this sponsee's story was very similar to mine where he would fall in love really quickly and go too fast. And so just kind of needed that practice of interacting with women in a healthy way first. And so I thought, Oh yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And, um, that's not what happened. And I was really, um, I wasn't trusting of myself as I was seeing that that was happening. Uh, we met and we were falling in love and, uh, I thought, I don't know if this is real cause I fall in love too fast. It feels real. I think I'm good here. I just don't know. And I checked in with my sponsor and my, and my spiritual director. And, um, I wasn't asking them like, you know, please approve of this. I was just saying like, you know, what do you think? And they both said, you are good. Like you're, you've gone through a lot of healing. You've been sober for a long time. It's okay to trust yourself. My sponsor, especially he was like, I know what it looks like when you're going off the rails and I'll tell you if you're going off the rails with this woman. And, uh, so far, uh, he hasn't done that. Uh, my spiritual director has also been very, um, uh, she's pushed me a little closer cause, um, I was thinking again, when, when, when I was, had this expectation of what dating was going to look like, I thought I was going to strong arm my way through the boundaries and just be like, no kissing, no this, no that, you know, like, cause I'm, I got to protect my sobriety and, you know, um, and again, my spiritual director was like, again, I know what it looks like when you're going off the rails. Why don't you, um, Yeah. She is a woman and she has needs and she, um, (laughs) I I, I need to hear that stuff. My spiritual director is a woman Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, sometimes, uh, it's, it's funny. Like, I don't know, I don't know what she wants, even though it's pretty obvious. And my spiritual director, some, I remember one time she was just like, she wants you to ask her to go to church with you. And I was like, really? Cause wouldn't she just say, I want to come she's like, just ask her if she wants to go to church and see what happens. I I did say (laughs) <laughs> and I, I wasn't hearing that. So, um, yeah, it was, it's stuff like that. So, um, 
And, um, yeah, and we've been exploring physical intimacy in ways that I thought I wasn't going to. And, um, so far it's been a really safe experience for me. Um, I haven't felt those old triggers. I haven't felt the, um, I haven't felt like I'm using it as a form of escape. And we, when we've been really honest with each other about all those different possibilities. And I told her pretty early on, even before we were falling in love and all that kind of stuff that I was in this program. And so did some, um, yeah, I know we're wrapping up and, uh, that's, I guess the one version of my story so far. Um, that's the 15 minutes. Thanks. Yeah. Is that it? Okay. Um, I don't know what happened to that format. That's all your stuff. That's all my stuff. All right. Well, anything you've heard in this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. Um, anything we say here, let's stay here. (laughs) Um, can anybody recite from memory the uh, vision for you? No? Okay. <laughs> oh, you can read it out of the book. Because I don't have the... Oh, you know... Let's see. The, how not to do a recorded meeting. Let's see. Oh, we got readings right here. Cool. Yeah. Okay, let's close with the vision for you. Anybody want to read it? Josh is sexaholic. Josh. A vision for you. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And the great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past and give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.